Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, for more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, May the 26th, 2016. Our calling number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Well, thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everyone. We're honored that you're here to join us once again to examine, to practice, to understand exactly how to truly live as a human being, hold a newborn child to know what that means, and to bring forward the presence of that awesome, powerful love that each of us is created out of into our world. A world that just has so much skullduggery and so much insanity that Oftentimes, the truth of who each of us is, the worst of us and the best of us, the truth of who each of us is, is hidden by the energies of rage and guilt and grief and fear and drama and all sorts of trauma. Recognizing that whatever shows up in a mind always tells us, first and foremost, about that content being present within ourselves. And when that content shows up as a construct, a perception within us, we know for sure that that construct or the the foundation, the underpinnings of that construct is ours, belongs to us. So the perceptions that our mind generates and the mind generates perception, we think we see what's really going on out there all the time through our eyes. But the truth is we're always looking at a perceptual construct that reflects, first and foremost, the contents of our minds. Recognizing that to be true, if I find myself constructing a world where pain, trauma, hate, fear, grief is resonated in me, then I make a world out of that. I don't see beyond my own perception to what's actually going on in the world. I see what I hold within me. And if I don't like what I see, what I hold within me, then what I need to be doing is collapsing that particular construct that holds my pain, that comes from my pain, dropping into the underpinnings of my pain and removing that. The act of doing that is called forgiveness. When I realize that whenever I'm in some sort of trauma or pain, it's a reflection of an energy personally held within me, then I always have the opportunity and the option of removing that energy. There was a technology that was taught 2,000 years ago called forgiveness that gave us the exact keys as to how to do that. 
if you have not yet engaged in that technology, if you have been brought up in a world where you're told that everything that's painful in you is all somebody else's fault, then the first order of business is you want to acquire the skill and the tools of learning how to remove that which never belonged in you in the first place. So our process is one of recognizing that, owning it, and learning precisely how to forgive. If you have not yet accessed the tool of forgiveness, and you know, I can remember when I first started understanding forgiveness or, or that forgiveness was so important, I would say to the people who were saying it, that's great, I got it, man, I, I can see how important that is. How do you do it? And they would say things like, well, you know, you just forgive. I'd say, well, actually, the reason I'm asking the question is because I don't know how. Could you tell me how? And the only answer I could find is, well, you know, you just forgive. Then one day, I came across the first century Aramaic language and learned that the word forgive in Aramaic, it's shabag or shabak, actually means to cancel. And what forgiveness or the way that forgiveness is done is to recognize that every perceptual construct that I have reflects first and foremost the content of my mind and that if I don't like what's going on in my mind at any given moment, I can collapse the perceptions, the constructs in my mind, and look at the root or the underlying dynamic. And as I look at the root or the underlying dynamic, I get to choose whether to keep it or throw it away. And the part or the, the action of throwing it away happens automatically if I'm actually engaging in the forgiveness process. Because one of the steps in the process of forgiving is to bring the truth of who I am, conscious, active, present love, forward into awareness and when I can expose what underlies my perception to that active presence of love, then whatever doesn't belong begins to dissolve. And I get to get free of it. If that makes sense to you and you have not yet engaged in the process of forgiveness, then we're here to support that uh, understanding and process happening. You can go to our website, www.whyagain.org. And the place we suggest that you start once you get to that home page is on the right-hand side of the page, you'll see a series of social media links. The bottom link is actually a link to our YouTube channel. If you click that link... There are two videos. There are actually dozens and dozens of them there. But there are two videos in particular that we suggest that you watch and begin to comprehend. The first one has a picture, a thumbnail. You know, each, each of the, uh, the videos has a little thumbnail sketch. And the thumbnail is a picture of the world. The title of that video is acim dash. What is the world? What is forgiveness? It'll give you a bird's eye view in a short form. It's about 39 minutes long. A bird's eye view of how the mind formulates its perception, what that really means, and then it'll show you how that perception is collapsed. The deeper hidden parts of the mind are accessed and removed. That's 39 minutes of your time. It will change your life. Then, having watched that, there's a second video we suggest that you engage in that will reinforce what you've just seen in the first and will give you a little more technical view in a PowerPoint presentation. And we thank Bill Costantino for having the skills and the willingness to put all the hours in that it took to take literally 35 years of my work and put it into a step-by-step -step PowerPoint. This PowerPoint is 24 minutes long. Again, it's a free link on our YouTube channel. And in this case, if you look, there's a picture of my book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? Blue book cover with red writing. 
And if you click on that icon, the title starts out with PowerPoint. That's 24 minutes. So you'll have invested approximately an hour of your life, and I promise you that if you will take what's there to heart, you will have a deeper comprehension of forgiveness than probably 99.999% of people on planet Earth that have ever talked about forgiveness. You will stop the conversation once you comprehend that the world has that says, you know, when they did that to you, how did that make you feel? Gee, was it painful when they said that to you? You'll you'll end those kinds of conversations and you'll begin to be able to see parts of your mind that have never been seen before because you will understand what perception really is and what perception really means. And it doesn't mean what the world has taught us that it means. So we invite you to invest an hour. And then having watched those two videos, you can go back to the site. Now, if you'd like to support us in doing this work, and you know, the majority of our travel work, we pay our own expenses, and it's done free. It's this radio show. You know, we don't have a sponsor that's paying us to do it every week. We actually pay to do this show. You can certainly go to our catalog and order products. There's why is this happening to me again? The book is actually out of print right now, but you can download it free from our website in half a dozen different languages, and you can order videos, audios, just uh, in the upper right-hand corner of the website, you'll see a link that says products. Just click on that. And, you know, if you'd like to keep your money in your pocket, you're certainly welcome to do that. We appreciate any support we get, but you're certainly welcome to keep your money in your pocket and go to the red and white bullseye in the middle of the home page. Scroll down a little bit. You'll see a red and white bullseye and start to follow the links. That will give you access to hundreds of hours of free information on how to engage in the forgiveness process. And then we're here five days a week, delighted to offer all the support that we can to answer every question that you have. And I assure you that everything that we have, the best information we have, we will offer to you freely and support you in putting it to work in your life. That's what this show is about. Nothing is withheld. There's no big secret that happens. There's certainly a different space of support, for instance, in something like an intensive, but there are no secrets that we keep and withhold so that you have to come to the intensive to get it. We're going to give you everything we got, the best we got. And so we're here to answer questions, ask your questions, and we're here to offer the best support we can possibly offer. What we found over the years is that most people organize their lives, even though they may say, yes, 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 I want to heal. I want to work through this. They've so habitually organized the way they think, the way they act, the way they eat, the way they drink, so that they don't have to look at the parts of their minds that need to be dealt with. Rare is the person that will push into the deeper hidden parts of the mind that need to be dealt with. That's the one thing that we can offer you in an intensive that we just can't offer over the phone or over the radio, that we can't offer in a DVD or a CD. And what we do in an intensive is we create an environment, a space where every factor that we have discovered that will enhance someone's ability to go to depth within themselves, access the things that need to be forgiven, and the support to do that. We'll introduce everything that we can in that intensive, including and in particular a dietary regimen where we serve nothing but actual food. It's interesting that food is actually pretty rare in this culture. Most of what we see is some kind of manufactured facsimile of food, but it's not actually food. A lot of people are surprised when they find out, they come to an intensive and they find out that food actually grows in the ground. 
in everything we eat. If you, know, if you come to a nine-day intensive, a 16-day intensive, a 65-day intensive, everything we eat will be actual food. It actually comes from the ground. And as you prepare it in a way that leaves it in its whole intact state, it vitalizes you. It restores you to nutritional solvency that empowers the energies to move that need to move in order to work through whatever you need to work through. So the one benefit that comes from an intensive is you'll be in an environment where all of the factors that, you know, in almost 50 years of study I've found that support people in healing will be introduced and engaged in which, as I say, most people won't set themselves up. They may say, I want it to, but the automatic behaviors, the automatic decision system kicks them out of that sort of uh, environment. And so if you're ready to take your work to the next level, we'll actually this summer, uh, we'll start on August 1st with a 10-day food fund forgiveness and work program. That's kind of a 10-day economy program where during the day we do – work projects on the property, getting heartland. We've got 17 acres and 15 buildings, getting the property ready for uh, the intensive season. And in the evenings we'll do work projects. And on Saturday we'll do still point breathing. So if you want to engage in that, it's an economy program. You can come do 10 days, uh, including the food. We do awesome gourmet food. And in that particular intensive, we do some cooked food. And uh, the cost for 10 days is $750, everything included. Bring your toothbrush and your PJs. That's all you need. And uh, then, well, actually, we've got a little longer packing list, but the basic packing list of the things that you'll need. We'll then move into a nine-day Why Is This Happening to Me Again, uh, where we cover several different workshops. And we'll do a three-day process of studying the personal code evaluation to understand how to interpret if you're going to be teaching or working with people with this work, how to incorporate the personal code evaluation into working with people. We'll spend three days studying that. And then we'll do a 16-day laws of living. That'll be our summer intensive season this year. So if you're inclined and want to come and move your process to the next level, then we invite you to come and join us. And, you know, if there's anybody out there that's done an intensive that uh, might have a little bit, of course, I can talk about it forever, but, you know, if you've got an experience you'd be interested in sharing that gives people a taste of what an intensive looks like, and or you've got somebody in your world that uh, you think is ready to uh, take their work to the next level, then we invite you to come and play or, you know, hit one if you're in the phone queue and share your experience with us. Beyond that, we're honored that you're here to spend the time with us. And uh, Dr. Tim, let's say hello to that young man and see how he's doing today, if there's anything from his practice to share with us or anything in particular that, uh, that Tim has on his mind to contribute. Dr. Tim? Well, Thank you. I'm here, and I'm listening, enjoying the intro, and I'm going to defer to callers as I handle some issues that are coming up for me right now, and and I will um, put my hand up again later if I need to. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, sir. So, Jeannie, do you have a uh, a thought or a question coming from the chat room? Anybody with anything going on there we should be aware of? or anybody with a hand up in the phone queue. And I'll just say that uh, if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you or you're in the chat room and, you know, maybe you're not registered with Blog Talk, you can't talk in the chat room, you can call 646-200-4169. That's our calling number. And uh, if you push one, that'll raise a hand, and Jeannie will see that hand go up in the control panel and connect you in with our conversation. So, Jeannie, do we have anything happening in the chat room or anybody with a hand up? It's quiet in the chat room. We did have a hand up, but they've disappeared. So whoever you are, if that was a little racket. So whoever you are, if you're still on the switchboard, press 1. That'll put you back in queue. And um, while we're waiting then, I I got permission to share this. There's a gentleman who's a chiropractor up in St. Louis. His name's Dr. Phil. And uh, we've been writing back and forth. And he actually said that this week his lunch hour is not... um, at the same time as our radio show, so he can't call in, but he gave me permission to use his name and to use our conversations. We've been going back and forth in some emails. And so one of the things that he had sent me last night 
uh, was that he felt like he had a pretty good understanding of letting go of the goals and and that the goal was the catalyst for the projection in his mind and that after collapsing the goal that the or canceling the goal that the image collapses and he's able to go into the root or the source of where that's coming from um, and he understands where people turn towards addiction to keep from looking there and going there but then he came back and he said um, I do have a question though what after all that you realize after all that you realize that some people family so I think he's saying after all of that, after going through the worksheet and understanding all that and getting reconnected and everything, there are some people, and in parentheses he's got family, in your life that really, really don't give a, and he uses an ex, uh, a word, <laughs> uh, about you or um, anything that you're doing and they're set, set out to make sure that you know that you are the reason for their misery. And so my response to him, I asked him first if he had ever played tug-of-war and that, um, you know, if you're playing, pulling back and forth with a rope, you know, they pull, you pull, and whoever gets pulled across the middle line, you know, loses or whatever. And I said, but if you're playing that and you drop your end of the rope, it changes their game whether you want it to or not. And I said, it's like that with this work. I said, first of all, since you say it's family, you have the same genetic uh, components. And you both need to heal those, you know, whatever it is that's in your life that's less than love, that um, that's also your physical diseases. And so life is going to bring to you whoever and whatever you need for that to come up in your face so that you can heal it. And... I said, based on the emotion that I read in his words, then I would say that there were still some links that needed to be undone, that he was still emotionally attached to them blaming him for their misery. And that, you know, that probably is going to be one of his 77 times 70 worksheets. I went on to say, you know, once you've canceled the goal that, you know, I gave him the example. I said, let's say that the member in your family uh, wants to blame you for what's going on for them. Then if you have done your work around that, then you can, you know, look at them and you have, if I'm trying to paraphrase this email instead of going through all the details, if you have been, if you've done your work and you're done with the energy that that brings up for you, that, they trigger for you when they blame you for what's going on for them. Th then, well, first of all, I said, you know, when they do that, if you're not done with it, it's going to automatically come up because it's in your carbon-based memory. And I said, you don't have a choice about it coming up. But where you do have the choice is then you can stop and you can either say, you know, okay, I'm triggered and, and I'm going to drop my end of the rope. I'm going to be done with this. But then one of four things will happen. They'll either stop and say, hey, you know, what's going on for you? I want what you've got, you know, the peace and calm. How are you dealing with this? Or they'll say, you know, it looks good on you, um, and I support you in doing it, but I don't want it. Or they'll be really ticked off and crank up the heat to get you back because when you're in that automatic response, then you're controllable, and they want you back in that position. Or they'll say, well, there's no resonance, and they're out of there because they still need to heal what's going on for them just because you dropped the end of the rope. They may go somewhere else then and see if they can get somebody else to pick it up because they still need that bounce back until they can heal. And so that was kind of what I offered him, and so I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yes. My, my addition to that would be that as one says, well, what if they're convinced that I'm the cause of their misery? Then probably I'm in a state where I think that they're accusing me of being the cause of their misery is the cause of my misery. That I'm disturbed because they're accusing me. And of course, if someone's accusing me, of something and I'm in a disturbed state 
I'm not disturbed because I'm being accused. I'm disturbed because there's disturbance in me. And so otherwise, there wouldn't really be a question to ask. I'd look and I'd go, oh, gee, you look like you're in pain as you sit there telling me how I caused your misery. And I would stand as the space of active love and support you in healing whatever that's about. Or offer, you know, whatever I can do, let me know, and I'll carry on with my day. But if I'm in a disturbed state over what appears to be your accusation of me, then probably I need to look at some of the goals that I hold for you. For instance, my goal might be for you to see me as a contribution in your life. My goal might be for you to see me as innocent in terms of what's happening for you. My goal might be to be embraced in love by you rather than blamed for what's going on in your life. So they'd be the kind of goals if one is in that kind of a position. And, and this is a piece of work that sooner or later everybody has to do. And so they'd be some of the subtler things that I'd be looking at, for, if it were me, for my worksheets. I'd be putting those goals in number three and then number five, canceling them and looking at what comes back from, to me from the next level. And as I collapse into those parts of my mind that are reflections of, that that those events are reflections of the parts of my mind that I believe I am to blame or I believe that you're to blame, then I'll work through the next subtle layer of that. And you can stand there, cancel the thought, screaming in my face about how it's all my fault, and I'll gently breathe. I'll gently stand as a presence of love and say, Can I give you an embrace here? Can I support you? What's happening for you? And it's a pretty deep piece of work to do because one of the core power person issues, and you you go back to the whole idea from the codependence work of the power person. And the power person is a person in one's life who had more power over our lives than we did. And they weren't functioning as love which means they probably used us to blame for their state of mind. You know, you've heard the parent who screams at the child at three, you make me so mad. Well, of course, that's total denial. This adult, you know, as a three-year-old, this quality of mad that they're projecting into their brain's image of the three-year-old, they knew years before the three-year-old was even conceived, let alone showed up, But when the adult, the power person, uses the child as a screen upon which to project its, in this case, mad, sad, afraid, upset, disturbance, whatever it is, then the power person is a user of the child. A child who has been so used will tend to grow up following that power person dynamic, and they will become the user. In other words... Why are you saying that I'm the cause of your pain? Do you know that causes me a lot of pain? (laughs) Now I'm using this other person as a screen upon which to project the cause of my internalized pain, and I'm just following the power person dynamic, which means I'm going to get to do a whole other depth of work and start to delve into my own genetics and start to clean up this power person dynamic that has probably been going on in my bloodline for a thousand generations. You know, we, we, Jeannie and I love to watch films and love to use films as a way to tap into some of the principles that go on. National Geographic, we've been watching this week a, a series of videos from National Geographic, and one of them was on Russian Tsar, and was a father of, no, pardon me, it was Peter the Great. How they come up with these titles of these people being great, I don't know, because they're some of the most disastrous, uh, irresponsible, violent, and vicious people that have ever existed on the planet. But Peter the Great set his realm up so that 
he got to believing that everybody was conspiring against him, in particular his son. And he actually, though his son basically just said, you know, Dad, I'm out of here. I, I, don't, I don't need to engage in this with you. You know, do your kingdom, do your czar thing. I, I'm, I'm finished. And he actually imprisoned his son, literally had his son whipped to a pulp and ultimately killed him because his son was responsible for the paranoia of his father believing that the son was out to get him. And, you know, those kind of dynamics have been going on for so long on planet Earth, so many generations of that kind of craziness. And so am I willing to be seen as innocent? Am I willing to cancel my need to be seen as innocent? Am I in disturbance if I perceive that this person is not being as loving as they could be? Then that's my forgiveness work. And as I do that, I get to go to the next depth of what's hiding in my mind. And who knows? You know, perhaps somewhere in there, there's Russian ancestry that goes right back to uh, to so-called Peter the Great and these family dynamics that caused murder of one's own child. Who knows what's in there? Who knows what needs to be embraced? But ultimately if one's going to really truly heal, they're going to have to embrace all of that until literally any event could happen in the world and there's nothing left of pain or trauma in me to be triggered by those events. So I stand truly in a connected space of active love, whatever somebody else is doing. And that's the ultimate test of the depth of the work that I've done. If an event occurs and I say to myself, that upsets me, I'm now in denial. When I'm in denial, I dissociate from the part of my mind that holds that upset. When I dissociate from the part of my mind that holds that upset, then I can no longer access or heal that part of my mind and I will use that part of my mind to make pictures of others and talk about how they made me feel whatever it is that I'm feeling. Forgiveness collapses that whole process and takes me into a different world. And Jeannie tells me we've got a hand up. Sweetie? We actually have two hands up. The first one is 808. 808, you're on the air. Oh, hi. Good morning. This is Roma again. And well, it turns out, lady, good yeah. to hear your voice. Thank you very much. It's so good to be in contact with, with both of you and all of you um, <clears throat> who are interested in this work. I feel, I, I feel the impact on it immediately. I'm um, so inspired. I went to the, to the YouTube yesterday and saw the film, the ACIM. Um, it says, uh, Course in Miracles, uh, What is the World?, and there was something in it that really appealed to me. It said that the root that needs to be removed is the mind energy or thought that turned into a picture. And I would like you to talk right. just a little more about that. <clears throat> sure. About those pictures well, that we create. Because I know sometimes right. I have visions, but they're visions from the higher consciousness where I can, in, suddenly I'm aware, I was standing in the kitchen, and suddenly I had this vision of actually it working, <laughs> you know, it being organized right. and working and simple. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I know that these visions can can really support us in moving forward. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, just to kind of give a, a picture at, at some depth, you might remember back a few years ago, the FCC in its great wisdom said, we are going to create a rule that says that all television broadcasting which is now analog is going to become digital 
Now, analog means, you know, a, a good uh, way to understand the difference between digital and analog is we've all had a uh, an analog watch. That is an, a, a watch that has a face on it. It's got hands. It's got numbers. And so I get to read the time by seeing that, the, you know, the, the minute hand is here and the second hand is there and the hour hand is there. So that's an analog or a picture. And then we've probably also had a digital watch, and the digital watch I look at, there are no hands, there's no face, there are only, there's only information, and, you know, the information says that it is 1 colon 23 or whatever time it happens to be. So when you look at, and, and we listen to Einstein, and he says, on such things as matter, we have been all wrong. What we have heretofore called matter is energy. Energy whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. We live in a quantum soup. We live in a world of energy. And that means we live in a world of information, digital, so to speak. But each of us, according to the way our genes and our perceptual minds are structured, convert the energetic world, the digital world, into a series of pictures, analog images. So let's say that I have in my mind brain cells for being attacked. And that attack that I have brain cells connected with comes from, let's take the example we were just talking about, from people making me to blame for what's happening in their lives. Then when somebody sends me the digital information, you made me afraid. I will take the information in me related to fear and I will turn that into literally an analog picture of what I think is your body, what I think is my body, and your body terrorizing my body. When the terror that I have is actually an energy information I have in me about terror. But I won't see that my terror comes from the frequencies of terror that I hold in me. I will take those energies and literally we have this digital to analog converter and basically when the FCC said all television broadcasting has got to become digital, there were some people who said, well I've just got my old analog TV and I'm not buying a new one so the FCC and its great wisdom said, well we're going to take money from taxpayers, we're going to take your money and we will buy this person who won't get a new TV a digital to analog converter box. So they actually, the government actually paid, took taxpayer money out of one person's pocket and bought digital converters for people so that now everybody could be brainwashed by their televisions because they all had digital to analog converters. The new TVs already had them built in and you had to get a box to do that. My offering is that each of us has this what we call a human mind, and it is a digital to analog converter. The world of pictures are all reflections of the content of the information in our minds. The whole idea of forgiveness is that when I find the particular goal that drives my mind to produce a picture of you having the kind of look in your eyes and the kind of shaking of your fists and the kind of, you know, movement of your head that I interpret as terrorizing me, I'll create that picture and you will become the symbol of the terror that I have unresolved in me. So I convert the information of the way you hold your head, the way you move your fist, whatever, I will convert that into a picture where I say, you're really terrorizing me. The thing that drives that whole process 
is the goals that I hold. So if my goal is for you to treat me lovingly, gently, respectfully, or in the context of our conversation yesterday, if my goal is, well, I want you to see how wonderful a time I had with your son while I was taking care of him, how awesome it was, and how connected I want to stay with you in the future. If I hold that goal and you do something that resonates information in me that says, oops, that's now been broken, then I'll take that energy of, let's say yesterday in the context of our conversation, it seemed like it was some grief. I'll take that energy of grief and loss of relationship and I'll turn it into a picture of you cutting off relationship for me. I'll make that into an analog image. The way I collapse that image is by unloading the driver that drives that whole process that causes my mind to take my energetic dynamics, my unconscious information, and turn it into a picture of you causing this pain in me. And when I cancel that goal, what happens is my analog image collapses. I don't get analog images in my mind. I don't get pictures in my mind without goals. And so when I cancel the goal, what happens is that analog image, that picture that my mind holds of you being the cause of my pain and my terror collapses, and I get to drop to a level beneath that. You know, the world of psychology tells us that pretty reliably we 90 to 95% of our mental processes are unconscious. So what happens is I only get to see the very surface. There's some interesting Harvard research that says that in a time frame where 10,000 brain cells fire, the max amount of information that goes into my picture world, the world I see, is nine bits of information. So literally... 10,000 bits of data are firing, and I get to see nine bits, and I make up a whole world out of that. It's actually <laughs> been estimated that in the same time frame as I'm looking at nine bits of data, there are approximately 20 trillion bits of information potentially available from the world of actuality, and I'm stuck in a reality that's a repeat, you know, a, a variation on the theme of what I haven't resolved within myself energetically. And the way I collapse the, the surface mind and get to drop into the deeper mind, which might take me right into my genetics. It might take me back into, you know, my Russian heritage where I was connected, you know, right back to being the son of Peter the Great who slaughtered his own kid. And I might end up accessing as I cancel my goal, literally the memory of that having happened. And I bring that forward, and when I can bring that forward in the presence of love, it begins to dissolve in me. If, however, I say, you know, you really make me sad because you broke relationship with me, then what happens is that energetic dynamic that I need to access and bring to the presence of love remains hidden from me. I'm dissociated from it because... My mind has been instructed that it has to keep it hidden. Right. Does that give you a picture of, of what you're yeah. looking for, give you a little more information? Yeah. Cool. And it was very, awesome. very clear with your diagrams on the board um, uh, and the, the tubular, the tubes going down. Um, it, you, you made it very, very clear in the diagram in, in, on YouTube, so it was wonderful. I have been... I love um, that video. I, I, you know, there, there are times I know that you teach, too, and, 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 you know, there are times when you know you're right on, and that video is one of those where I, I, it was, I was right it's on. absolutely right on. I'm so <laughs> happy fun. that it's yeah. there. Yeah, and, it, and it's short. So am I. Yeah, it's short. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want it's to share totally with you that I... I've been living across the street from a Buddhist temple for three years, and five weeks ago I right. decided to walk across the street and walk in the door. And I've always known that somehow Jesus couldn't manifest unless Buddha had manifested. And, you know, we wonder, where was Jesus from the age of 12 to 33? And, of course, many of us have figured out that he went to India. But yesterday I absolutely got it. Because I started comparing, because I've been studying Buddhism really intensively for the last five weeks, and I began comparing things uh, between the work that you are teaching and Buddhism. Like, for instance, cancel your goal, right? 
would be the equivalent of release your desires or craving. Um, love would be called compassion in Buddhism. Uh, Rukha de Kucha, which you described as the Holy Spirit, which does the healing after that, the, after the, um, the tube has collapsed, is, is the third of the, uh, uh, it's nirvana, which is the presence of the infinite life force. And then, um, so I, I, I've been, I, I'm totally dumbfounded because I know that you've been touring Christian churches. And I'm sitting across from a Buddhist temple, and I find my, I, I went yesterday and I found myself thinking, wow, I should show this sensei the worksheet because it's the same work. It's exactly the same work that Jesus must, I mean, it was only 400 years since Buddha had walked the planet that I think, I like to imagine that, you know, I have an MSU degree. I make stuff up. And what I imagine about Jesus between those years was that he went to India, and it was only 400 years after uh, Buddha had walked the planet. So it's very right. fascinating to me that truth is truth. It's universal. It is. And that, and that this path, and, and I love the fact, uh, one of the things that it says in the Four Noble Truths, there are four, there are four things. And the first one is suffering must be fully known. And that's the first part of our wake-up sheet. Those are the first steps. What are the got to come out of denial. What, what, yeah, come out of denial. Definitely have and to come out of denial. actually know your suffering. And that's yep. what's so exciting okay. is that in the worksheet or the wake-up sheet, you know, that's, that's what we go through. And then we realize what our goals Correct. were and cancel them. And that the second noble truth is give up your cravings. Give, just drop them. Well, actually, them actually, I'll, 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 uh, I'll, I'll give you a little refinement on that one because we, we've actually about, let's see, probably five years ago now, Jeannie and I were heading uh, out of Southern California up to Washington State, and Jeannie gets an email from someone who's done our work who says, my teacher wants to meet you. And apparently, well, there's a gentleman who has an ashram in Oregon who is considered in the Buddhist tradition. He's the head of the Dojin School of Buddhism and is considered to be the verified reincarnation of the Buddha of Wisdom. And he had been at a, a healing center he had some sort of disease process going on and had been at a healing center and they had my videos and he was through his symptoms, but he actually wouldn't leave until he watched all uh, 20 hours of my videos. That that center <laughs> I'm had. not surprised. Of course he wanted to. And, <laughs> and then he put out a call through this student because he knew this student had worked with me to get in touch with me. Well, here's the interesting part, or one of the interesting parts is, you know, usually when we travel, we're, we finish something on a Saturday night, and Sunday morning we're in the next city doing another workshop. We just happened to be driving past his ashram within an hour of his ashram with four days off before we need to be at our next event. So we said, well, we'll come and visit. So we went to his ashram, we detoured, went to his ashram, and we taught the why is this happening to me again workshop to him personally one-on-one -on -one. Wow. and when we completed that he asked if i would teach it he's actually he had bought a uh, a town out there that was built there was a small kind of western town that was built as a movie set and he bought it and it functions as his ashram it's just outside of uh, uh not portland oregon but um Eugene, Oregon, Eugene. about an hour outside of Eugene. Yeah, so we uh, we taught it to him, and then he asked if we would teach it to his students. So I taught it a second time. He has a study center in uh, Eugene, and we're getting ready because we had four days. We we're getting ready to leave, and he said, "Well, I have a center in Eugene, and I have a teaching center in Portland. Would you teach on your way this workshop?" 
So we mm-hmm. went to Eugene and taught it to a group. They were primarily English-speaking people there, so we taught it in English. And then the next night in Portland, he had a center, but there were mostly Tibetan-speaking peoples. Mm-hmm. So we taught the Why Is This Happening to Me Again workshop in English, and he taught it in Tibetan to them. It was oh, awesome. wow, he translated? He translated As you were delivering, did he translate? Huh? Exactly, yes, yeah, in Tibetan. Fantastic. When we finished, and this guy is just so sweet, just this awesome, sweet presence of love, most amazing, most amazing what, guy. What is his name? I, they call him Kempo. I'll send you some contact information if you if you yeah, like. Yeah. But in any event, we completed yeah, the uh, the workshop, and he he looked at me and he pointed to me and he smiled and he said, "That man, he is a secret Buddhist." Yeah, right. And then he pointed to himself. He pointed to himself and he said, "And I, I am a secret Christian." And he shared that ten years earlier he'd been ill, and Yeshua came to him and healed him. And then he said, when we were in Tibet, we did not need this teaching. In Tibetan, the Tibetan tradition, we do not have, we have never had this understanding of the goal and the canceling of the goal as forgiveness. We didn't need it. We had other practices. He said, but now that we've come to the West... And, of course, the Buddhist tradition is all about non-attachment, which is cool, but non-attachment will not get you to the space of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. The the core of it and the piece that at least he shared with me, we don't have in the Buddhist tradition is the canceling of the goal. We now have, and we've been back there a couple of times, an open invitation. Anytime we're in that area of the country, Michael, please come. He has people come from all over the world. Please come and teach this to us again. Fantastic. So there is a refinement. So I don't think that Yeshua got his work from the Buddhist tradition. In fact, there's some pretty good documentation that the, uh, the, the language that the Buddha spoke actually has its root in the Middle East in Aramaic. So it is a uniquely Aramaic concept, and the Sanskrit coming out of the Aramaic, as with most teachings that came out of the Aramaic, missed and lost that specific piece. And so it was pretty cool to hang out with him and uh, and to be able to uh, to play with him in that regard. So it would be interesting if you took the sensei there and in particular, you know, showed him the worksheet and or, mm-hmm. you know, show him that 39-minute video. Or And yeah, I don't right. know if you watched the second one, but there's a second one that has a cover, a picture of the cover of the book. Why is this happening to me again? And yeah. it starts out with PowerPoint. It's a PowerPoint presentation, which right. is even more specific. It would be interesting to get his feedback on what he thinks of it. Right, I'll have to watch that one today. Yeah, cool. this is fascinating. Well, tells me we've got another hand up. Do we have any other okay, question great. or thought that we can support you with? Who, me? Are you talking yes, to me? Yes, you. Oh, I um, am. No, I feel totally you? supported. Thank you very much. Oh, I, I'm, awesome. I'm wondering if I could support you this, sometime this summer uh, with working with Ari. I, it's so great to hear that Ari's going to be there because, you know, it's 25 20, 25 years ago, I met him, and uh, and uh, I really do love working in kitchens. Right. So I'll have to talk well, to you about that. Let's hear the other hand. Yes, certainly. Why don't you do that? Uh, why don't you drop me an email? Uh-huh. Uh, my email address is mjr187 at gmail. Drop me an email, and I will send back some information on how work exchange programs go and all of that or what the intensive schedule is, and we'll see how that works. Cool. Okay, MJR187 at what? At gmail.com. Oh, Gmail. Okay, great. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. delight to connect with you. Blessings. Thank you. Thank you. All righty, bye-bye. Jean, bye. you've got another hand up for us. Yes, it's 781. You're on the air. Hi, Michael and Jeannie. It's Ron in Massachusetts. Well, hey, young man. Welcome. Hi. I uh, enjoyed listening to that. Uh, story. I, I was talking to you to at the time when your when your presence was requested by that uh, that Buddhist uh, Kempo. Is it K, Kempo with a K or Kempo? How is it said? 
Yeah, it's Kempo with a K. It actually means professor in Tibetan. Oh, nice. And I remember uh, to speaking to you right around professor. that time. It was, an, it was an exciting and, uh, and mysterious set of circumstances that brought that all together. It was pretty cool to be going right by his door. And actually, I, I have the... Uh, the flyer, we created a flyer with both our pictures in it, and I, I like to tap into that flyer every once in a while, just kind of uh, tap into his energy. He was, he is such a sweet presence. It's amazing. We've, uh, he has a place in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, too, and so a couple times when we've been in Vegas, we've connected with him, and uh, he's just amazing going around, basically, you know, just pushing, spreading, spraying love on everybody in Vegas, which is a pretty interesting place to do that. That's awesome. Interesting places to spray love. It's an interest, it's a, that's an appropriate segue. Um, for my call, I'm not sure where this is going to go, but I just left a meeting a little while ago. And um, it's great that as I was leaving it, your show was on. And what, what I, there's a, a group that to me, it's, they're what, you could call big shots in the culture. And um, and I had talked to them about what kind of a role I might play in what they're trying to accomplish in the world. And part of what they're doing is um, offering support, uh, offering um, nutritional and fitness support to people. And I got in a conversation today with uh, the senior vice president of this group. I won't mention the name of what it is, but it, but it was... Um, it was it's just fascinating to me how I wound up weaving my way into this conversation somehow or being woven in by probably greater than myself, I don't know. But I was in there and um we got talking about how I could offer support and 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 what it would take for people I started to talk about what it would take for people to go from the standard American diet and standard American philosophical way of being to a a more alkaline, more um, uh, you know, fit lifestyle, but also to to be able to go into um, altering the way we eat in our culture and what it would take to impact the culture. And and I wound up saying, you know, what we're really talking about here is waking up. You know, I mentioned that you know Thoreau said that I've never met a man who's truly awake. And I think what we're talking about, and maybe not in the short term, but where you want to go eventually, is is you're going to be supporting people to wake up because as you as people begin to make changes in terms of their, uh, in one area of their life and their fitness and in their health and how they eat, if they don't have the support on the emotional and spiritual side, um, or they're going to need that kind of support. And, and that really is going to march in the direction of waking up. And, and it was just really, um, turned out to be a little bit bizarre for me to have that conversation with these people and then walk out and then, um, do, uh, my workout and get in the car, and as I'm driving away, I'm thinking to myself, "Who am I?" You know, I mean, I I, I was telling one of the guys that I was raised in the Budweiser football culture, and um, you know, I just have you ever in your journeys when you were getting started with this bringing this work to the world, did you ever feel like, "What am I doing having this conversation?" You know, it's interesting there's um, a belief in the culture. We're down to the last minute and a half or so, so we're going to kind of have to move along here. But there, it's interesting how the culture tends to deliver to people messages of an identity of being a less than and not good enough. As I talked about the uh, the film, go, go watch the film, Papa... Um, um, Hemingway. Hemingway. And here's a guy who's a Nobel Prize winning writer who, after he has a few drinks, is talking about what a, what a piece of puke he is. Mm. So that's pretty much a universal brainwash. The place where I first connected with how to deal with that, actually in my early youth, I used to do a lot of different things. When I was in school, I was always selling greeting cards or light bulbs or something. And I remember going to a sales training and the person who was doing the training said, you know, if you ever feel less than somebody else, here's what you do. You imagine them on the toilet and they do exactly <laughs> the same thing. They do exactly the same thing you do. Nobody's any different. And most of those people who 
look at the big shot aspect of it are actually overblown terror internally because of what their power person played out with them. And that's all just the stuff to be forgiven, and we're down to the last few seconds, so the time's going to, the clock's going to run on us. But that's my starting point, and let's continue this conversation tomorrow. Blessings. Thank you. Very on track. Thank you. All right.